Greetings, people of podcast listenership. I am Ed Moore, and you have found, either by desire or choice, Lords of Order, a DC Doctor Fate fan podcast. This is episode 25. If you want to send me any feedback, you could send it to the Doctor Fate fan podcast at gmail.com. BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website, and Lords of Order has pages on Google Plus and Facebook where you can leave comments. Now, our story today comes from More Fun Comics issue 62, which was written by Mr. Gardner Fox, penciled, inked, and lettered by Mr. Howard Sherman. This is the last story in the issue. It's entitled Menace of the Metal Men. And as far as I can tell, it can be found in the Golden Age Dr. Fate Archives, issue number one, that DC put out in 2007. Now, our story opens with the uh, narrator telling us the man of great elemental forces who understands and uses the black magics of ancient Egypt and Chaldea, Dr. Fate. He dwells alone in a tower above the hills of which haunted Salem. Now, oddly enough, it doesn't open there, uh, so I'm, I'm not sure why that's that's our opening narration. Rather, it opens hundreds of miles away from Salem in an aged scientist's work laboratory that has been forgotten by the world, we're told. And we see the stereotypical, at this time, uh, Caucasian, balding, bespeckled, white-outfitted mad scientist puts me in mind of Dr. Silvana actually and he is working on a robot fiddling with the internal workings of the robot through a uh, uh, access port in its chest and he lets us know that only a direct hit by a large gun can harm these robots that he's working with and he's telling the robots to go forth and teach the world it's useless to war against me Raymond Rall, which we can assume is his name, R-A-L-L. We see several panels of these robots going up against the standard uh, U.S. military of the time. Their soldiers are dressed as doughboys. Uh, I hope that's not a derogatory term. Uh, rather, just trying to you know put in your mind's eye how they're dressed. World War One uh, soldiers. Perhaps early World War II, but these remind me more of World War I uniforms I've seen. Uh, the sold, the uh, robots appear to, to be unstoppable. Uh, they're just marching through. They're doing basically whatever they want, uh, not being hindered by the standard forces that are, are coming against them. At one point, well, we see that they are attacking the coastal defenses. Now, Salem... I would assume, is Salem, Massachusetts, which is East Coast. I thought that the only really active coastal defenses that we had that were armed like this uh, during the wars was on the West Coast. At least those are the ones that I've heard about. If we have those types of situations on the East Coast, I'm not as familiar with that. But the robots are first sent to assail the coastal defenses of the United States. Nearby is Inza, uh, just coincidentally nearby. She gets attacked by a robot that blows up her car through its method of hurling bombs, uh, perhaps grenades. Uh, not exactly sure, but that is one of the things that these robots do. They're not, unfortunately, 
outfitted with like laser guns or really cool things like that. They're hurtling explosive and incendiary devices. But one of the robots in this coastal attack is near where Enza is. Um, again, I wasn't aware she was on the west coast. I thought she was on the east coast. So I'm, I'm a little confused exactly. Could be that my confusion is due to a lack of knowledge of World War One moving into World War Two Eastern coastal defense mechanisms. I'm not aware. Her car destroyed the robot captures her. She starts crying out for Dr. Fate, who hears her, races flying, races to save her, rather than any method of teleportation or anything like that, which I would think would be quicker. He physically flies, takes her away from the robot that had captured her, doesn't do anything to the robot to damage it or anything like that, and whisks her away. Next, we see that the robots advance on a helpless city, bombing and destroying. A panic-stricken populace flees before them. And the people crying things like, run for your lives. A Martian terror loose upon us. And then we have a uh, Radio of America, a uh, commentator on there. Death in the form of metal, metal robots has struck at New York, Boston, and all the coastal cities. So I guess right there tells me that we did have the coastal forts and whatnot, perhaps, that I assumed were only on the West Coast. And I have lived here on the East Coast my whole life, and I kind of wasn't aware of that. So, Impervious to anything but 12-inch shells, they are wrecking our civilization. And we cut back to a panel here that has uh, Raymond Rawl, a uh, professor, perhaps, I, I don't know, scientist, but he is uh, listening to the broadcast and he is extolling the fact that he has been successful and reinforcing to us, the reader, that his forces, these robots, will win because they cannot be stopped but by extreme measures. Now, he has told us that they can be defeated, but only you know, by large uh, explosive devices, uh, shells from like artillery. Dr. Fate, uh, still with Inza, flies to the city that the robots are now attacking, uh, surveying the destruction, decides to set Inza down on top of one of the buildings in the city that's being attacked. I'm not really sure that is the best place for her, but she doesn't seem too distressed because as he leaves her and flies off, she cries out, Go get him, Dr. Fate, uh, in reference to him attacking or counterattacking, as it were, these robots. So Dr. Fate gets there. He weakens one of the robots, realizes that it is radio-controlled because he accesses the inner workings of the robot via this same chest port that Raymond Rawl was using in the opening couple panels. He flies back up to Enza, grabs her up, and then flies up into the air over this particular city and releases tremendous electrical power from his body. Uh, that's what the uh, the story tells us here. And he tells Enza that this electricity will disrupt the radio communications that govern the actions of the metal men. They will be just pieces of metal f- of steel, excuse me, from now on. And sure enough, the robots all around the city just fall uh, totally inert. Uh, the the humans, the people start crawling out of their you know bunkers and all their hidey holes and everything like that as as they're surveying that the the robots have been uh, stopped and they're t- 
telling one another, hurry, we've got to get in on these robots so that we can disassemble them, take them apart, do whatever we need to, so that at no point do they reactivate and, and menace anymore. So that, that city is taken care of. But the next page, the ne- very next panel we see, but others of the robots still remain erect and dangerous. So this is in other cities, uh, in other locales. Apparently, Dr. Fate's uh, electrical whammy there was a limited area effect. So he still is flying around with Inza. He tells her that he can't keep the different groups of robots from communicating with each other. So they, they can tell each other what's going on. Uh, next, he uses his magnetic control, still with Inza in tow, mind you. And he draws the robots together and draws them out to see where the salt water rusts and destroys any inner workings and everything like that. So he has defeated that group of robots as well via salt water. However, in this latest um, foray against the robots, he did detect the radio signals that were controlling them and was able to trace it back to a, a house somewhere. Um, flying up to the house, still with Enza, he says, see there the radio sending towers, signifying that this is the correct place, which is good because we would hate for Dr. Fate to attack a wrong house, uh, particularly in the story that we're reading. Raymond Rawl sees that the robots have been drawn out to the ocean, uh, destroyed. He, he no longer can control anything because they're not functioning. He then, in the next panel, sees that Dr. Fate is here and decides that he is going to attack Dr. Fate with his lightning maker. He says, I'll roast him to death in charges of electricity. Off uh, away from this house now that he has located it, Dr. Fate drops Inza off somewhere at what he assumes is a safe distance. Um, Inza as well, because she seems very content in that she just says, be careful, Dr. Fate, when he leaves her on some rocks off to the side. We don't see the house or anything to see how far away it is. We just see that he has done this. Flies back to the house. The narrator tells us as Dr. Fate enters the house, a bolt of lightning leaps toward him. Next panel, but Dr. Fate bathes, breathes, breathes in the radiant lightning. And he tells Raymond Rawl, you should learn that I'm a being of vast powers. Ordinary methods cannot harm me. But you are not immune from me. Those who seek to turn their brains and powers against mankind must reckon with me. And he reaches out. And the lightning, uh, the electrical energy that Rawl shot at Dr. Fate and tried to surround him with here, was greenish. In the next panel where Dr. Fate is uh, verbally lambasting Raymond Rawl, he is releasing energy from his hand that appears greenish as well, uh, perhaps to signify that he has absorbed this uh, energy and is now focusing it back on Rawl to destroy him. Uh, next fl- uh, flame, excuse me. The next panel says the mad genius disappears in flames, and we see Rawl as he is engulfed, screaming in fire. Dr. Fate goes and retrieves Enza and says, Come, Enza, this is no place for us now. Our work is done. And she says, Oh, Dr. Fate, what would the world do without you? And in the panel, uh, Dr. Fate is flying off with Enza while this house is completely um, 
uh, the word is escaped, engulfed. There we go. Is completely engulfed in flames. So, in defeating this bad guy, Doctor Fate killed him because he immolated the man and then just let it burn down his house. Um, rather you know, bloodthirsty, I guess. In a way, for us now, I guess back then it wasn't, but. Uh, now, something I did notice, the story was only six pages long, but it was very systematically broken into eight panels per page. The very first page did not. Uh, the first page had five panels. One took the place of the top two panels and then two down the left-hand side, and then the other four are distinct panels. So everything in the story is broken into eight panel pages nice and, and orderly um, it, it hasn't been that rigid up until this point in uh, more fun comics but I'm wondering if part of the reason to do this is to try to tell as much story as they can in these six pages every panel uh, is is definitely advancing the story every panel is showing some kind of action so it's not a bad format uh, it's a little interesting format particularly for me being that I have uh, grown up with a much freer panel system uh, and actually I'm used to thinking of nine page panels three threes nine, pa- nine panel pages excuse me three threes but this is two, two sets of four um, eight panels so a little different there it gives it a little bit different feel feel uh, the story uh, the, the the pace i think it gives it a little bit different pace all right guys well that is more fun comics issue 62 next time up is the current earth 2 title issue 22 and i guess here is a good place to make mention that i am aware that starting in june of this year i believe it's june uh, dc will have a new earth 2 title running i have no idea if dr fate is going to be in that group but i do know that there is a dr fate book that is slated to be coming out as well so uh, I'll definitely be covering one of those in the podcast, perhaps two, after I have a chance to look at the Earth 2 book to see what it's doing. Uh, nonetheless, I'll try to finish up this current volume of Earth 2 as it is our uh, modern incarnation of Dr. Fate as much as I can before the actual Dr. Fate named title comes out. But that's several months away. Either way, we have plenty of episodes between now and then. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next time. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0, unported license.